Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force and the game we love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rugby Wrap. Great to have your company as we jump into the test series and catch up with some news coming out of the Western Force. My name's Mick Collis. Joining me, as always, Wallaby735. Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you. Nice to be back again, Mickey, and what a weekend it was. It was lived up to all expectations that game on Saturday night. It was fantastic, fantastic result, fantastic crowd, fantastic atmosphere, and, um, yeah, rugby's off and running and alive and well yet again. it's Someone's got the paddles out, giving it a clear, giving it a hard start, and off we go. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a cracking night, and we will get into that very soon. And also with us, corporate MC and media darling, Heath Tessman. And Tess, nice of you to make some time in your busy diary to join us. So I'll say, yes, Heath Tessman not, not with us tonight again. So... <laughs> Optus Stadium in Perth was the venue for the first test of the Wallabies v England series, with the home side getting up by 30 points to 28. But the scoreboard doesn't tell the whole story, with the Wallabies being forced into making a late change to their starting lineup five minutes before kickoff. Tom Banks breaking his arm, Alan Alatoa leaving the field after a head knock, and Darcy Swain being asked to leave the field for the same reason. But despite the disruptions and playing a man down for more than a half, the men in goal prevailed in what the 6PR commentary team declared one of the gutsiest wins in Australian rugby history. And Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the game, mate. It had everything. It, uh, you know, we were a little bit worried that it might be a bit of a kicking affair, but England, England threw everything at the Wallabies in that first half there, but just weren't able to get any five pointers on the board and there's been a bit of criticism you know post game of uh, Marcus Smith and the way he played and that he was you know fit way too deep and running across field and probably they played their hand too early so maybe they got their tactics a little bit wrong on the weekend England and um, paid the price for it but on the other hand geez it was a it was a gutsy performance from Australia and they defended fantastically well including some ridiculous try saving tackles one in particular from Mm. Marika Corabetti comes to mind, but yeah. you know, talk about disruption and you know injuries, red cards. It had everything, and then the the last you know twenty minutes or so were just breathtaking Australian rugby. It was yeah. gutsy. It had everything. They completely just rolled over the top of England and sent them home packing, or sent them think, to Brisbane packing. Do you think that um, Quade Cooper being ruled out so late? Did that disrupt the English? Because they, they obviously would have had a game plan to play against Quade Cooper. Do you think that would have created any dramas for them? Uh, maybe, maybe. But they still threw a fair bit of ch- um, traffic through Noel Alessio's channel. Um, but I think on the reverse of that, I think it helped Noel Alessio play a better game. By him being thrust in there from yeah, yeah. being on the bench to a starting lineup, he hasn't had time to think about things. He's just, mate, you're starting, off you go. And he had an outstanding game, in particular with the boot. I think he kicked six from six. Yeah. Um, but would it have disrupted his tactics? You'd like to think not. But you never know. You never know what, what they might be going through in their debrief. Mm. But they didn't – They, I don't know. They When they played flat at the line, England, they looked dangerous and they got in behind us on a regular basis. But they seem to want to go wide so often. So whether mm. or not they got, they got their uh, – I don't know, their research wrong is probably one thing. Len Nikitao, maybe they were trying to expose Len Nikitao at 13 there in that wide channel. Maybe they thought there was a chance there. But I'll tell you what, I mean, Tom Banks' injury was horrific to see. Yeah. Got to feel sorry for him. But Andrew Kellaway played 
really, really well at 15. It's fantastic. Yeah, and but there's at, there's headaches this week for Dave Rennie. How, how does he accommodate those injuries and the red card and all the mm-hmm. rest of it in the lineup now? I don't know. At, at half time, it was six all. And you'd have to think at that stage, 15, 14, so a man up, they haven't had to go into their bench. You'd think they were in the box seat. How did they lose that one? Well, I think Australia just took their opportunities and England didn't take theirs. I mean, you think back to that second half where England had three or four five-minute line-outs and I think they only converted one of them mm. into some points. And, and that's the story of their game. When Australia had an opportunity to, to get some points on the board, they took it either through penalty or, or through getting tries. And I think the Australian bench just was a class above the England bench. Our depth yeah. was stronger. And I never thought I'd say, say that, that our depth was stronger than someone else, but it was. Um, so I think Eddie Jones has got some issues going into this second test. I mean, our, ours is sort of forced upon us with Dave Rennie having to make changes, but Eddie's got to look at the form of some of his players. And the, yeah, the bench, the bench was outstanding and the impact that they had were, uh, yeah, it was amazing. And that, that almost, it almost turned the game from the moment they started coming on. Mm. And, you know, you, you think about Falau Fienga and his impact. Matt Phillip, he surprised me. Mm. Like, he, he was – I was questioning, you know, why Rob Lyota was sort of being replaced at that part of the game because Rob Lyota was playing some pretty good footy. And you go, well, what's he doing here putting Phillip on? But Matt Phillip, God forbid I ever say this, but he actually played <laughs> really, really well uh, for Rebels player. Um so yeah, and and now you're looking at Reese Hodges being brought into the the Wallaby lineup this week. Um, yep. So it's been interesting to see what they do with him. He didn't play too bad in that Australia A game. That was a bit of a topsy turvy one. Um, and I thought Pete Samu was good it, when he came yeah. on. Athletic impact player. Would you start him? Would you be tempted to start him after that? Probably not. You'd probably mm. stick with what you, on the bench. What yeah. you got and and just let him loose. I'd probably give him a little bit longer. Um, maybe a 30-minute stint rather than 20. Yep. Go go a little bit, you know, get a little bit more him into the game just after halftime, possibly. But uh, front row, Scotty CO coming on, Slipper coming on, even, you know, Jake Gordon coming on for the last few minutes really sparked things up. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it was – it's actually gives you a bit of a spring in the step it does, on Monday it? yeah, morning. It's, it's very positive. And I think Pete, Pete Samu wears his jerseys the way Heath Tessman likes to wear his polos. Very, very tight. And he's got it. <laughs> and we saw um, Quade Cooper being injured just before kickoff. They reckon he'll be out for the, the series. Is that the last we'll see of him in the Wallaby yeah, jersey? The, out for the series? What's he done on Achilles or something? No, they said he's calf. They just don't reckon he'll be right over, over uh, the next mate, two weeks. I did my calf at cricket during the year, man. I was back the next week. <laughs> he probably moves at a slightly quicker pace <laughs> than you do. But do you think we'll see him? Do you think we'll see him back? Um, yeah, I think you will. I think I think you'll see Quade probably in and out of the Wallaby lineup up until at least the World Cup, including the World Cup. Really, you reckon he'll he'll yeah. stay? I just reckon he'll break down. I I think that he's at that point. If you if you're doing a calf and those sorts of injuries, so soft tissue mm. stuff just warming up, I reckon that's not a good sign for Quade Cooper. And I don't I don't think we'll see him in a Wallaby jersey again. Might be a bit early to call. You've but heard I, it here I, first from Mick Collis. I, I just think he's going to be a bit... When you, re- when you listen <laughs> back to this, mate, can you lock that away so we can play it back later bring, on down the track to Mick? Bring that one back up. And um, Karevi, fantastic. And Karevi, you, you mentioned him, but Karevi was just... You know, like it, we, he was kicking. He just had this all-round game on Saturday night. 
Yeah, and I think that shows the benefit of using the Guido rule with bringing the overseas players back and Dave Rennie having that flexibility when he picks picks his squads and when he picks his teams, having that flexibility to bring select players back where he thinks he needs it most. So he's got he's got one up his sleeve now with Quaid yeah. being out. Hmm. So he could look overseas again and go, right, who else can I pick from here? Do I go to a back or do I go to a, a Will Skelton yeah. to, to cover Darcy Swain? Yep. And get a big lump in like him, uh, or, or you know who's out there. What do you do? Who's in good form? Who's not? We've just come off the back of a Northern Hemisphere season, so there might be some guys out there that hmm. he might have in up his sleeve to to bring in to replace Quaid in as one of the overseas players. Yeah, it'd be interesting but to see. Karevi was good. Yeah, good How to see. Great. And now he's off to the Commonwealth Games in a couple. Of yeah, weeks in the sevens. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a, so, got a bit so of that, that in the mailbag. So does, so does that mean he falls out of the Wallabies squad? Nah. Or not until this series is over. Yeah, he'll stay. I think he'll stay for the series. And I don't know because when is the Commonwealth Games? I know it's in Birmingham, but from the twentieth of July. July. Okay, so he'll. No, he might because it's only what it only be two weeks. Mm. So he'll. So I he'll, mean, he'll, he'll finish the season. He'll finish this series against England, go yep, to Commonwealth Games, and, and then, then come back, back for the rugby like. championship. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He'll be floating around. And then uh, was the first half it was six all. It was a pretty boring first half. I had some friends who went along their first ever rugby game, and they said, well, there are a lot of stops in the first half. Is that normal? And it's not, but, geez, there was some stoppages in that first half. I wasn't impressed with the referee, Mick. You know that. I mean, <laughs> you've got you've got all the warm-ups and all that pre-match briefing that goes on to get things right. So why is he spending a minute and a half setting his first scrum? Yeah. yeah. You go, that- mate, come on, you've got to be better than that. Yeah, you've had all this time to set the set the platform. Go right, first scrum, guys. This is what I expect. This is what we're going to mm-hmm. do. You get to the mark and you go right, collapse, reset, muck around, have a bit of a chat, and it's like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So he got that wrong, and his decision making, I thought, was wasn't on the money. I think he heavily relied on his ARs and TMO to help him out a lot. Well, they spent a lot of time on the ground. Those blokes. It was. Um... Quite. It was a. I, I wouldn't. I'd like to sit down with the stopwatch and actually see in that first half because I know that game that was a long game. But we didn't. We didn't get off air till after eight o'clock, and we thought it was extra. Be done by about extra. It was at least an extra fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah. So it's, it was a mm. yeah a long one. And then the prices. These the friends of mine. They paid one hundred and fifteen bucks a ticket, which was the cheapest option because they wanted three in a row. I know the Adelaide Test premium tickets are two hundred and fifty. Last year was one hundred eighty nine bucks. Is that something they need to be looking at? Because you don't get beers or party pies for two hundred and fifty bucks. Are they? Are they? Are they gouging the punter? Well, I ran into Stewie Dart out there, and he was—he'd only paid forty-nine bucks for his up, up on the third tier behind the post. So there was they got was, in, or they got in the. I think they bought them on the day, and they were looking for. Groups oh, okay, in, and that's that so was all that was available. That was all so available. there was there was fifty-dollar tickets available up on the third tier behind the post, which yeah, okay. is per- perfectly adequate view. Yeah. And I'd imagine when you get to Adelaide, if you want to sit under the old fig tree. Uh, behind the post, you probably could for fifty bucks. But do you think? So, do you think two hundred and fifty bucks though? That's is insane, Mick. Insane. You know, yeah, I, I can think of a lot of other things I could do with two hundred and fifty dollars. And imagine you, if if there's two of you. If you go as a couple, you're dropping five hundred bucks just to watch a, a game of footy. That's a holiday down at Margaret River, mate. Yeah, and I said, and that's for no. There's no beers. There's no party pies. There's no Heath Testman emceeing any function in front of you. When you're paying their five hundred dollars, I just think it's it's an it's just a crazy amount of money for just a seat 
at a, yeah, at a maybe game. maybe you know maybe a, a rich bloke like Stewie Jenkins might be able to afford yeah. that. But, <laughs> he buys them by the pun- dozen for punters like you and me. You it's know. just it just seems a lot of money for um for a game of rugby. But anyway, because last year I think 189 was the the highest just normal seat, and they've bumped that up to 250. So yeah, I, I think mate, I think that's taking it. You know, like it's taking it to another level. Yeah, and and that's why they won't get sellouts. You got yeah. you got to make the game accessible. Hmm. And and yes, there's a corporate there's a corporate ticket price there, but really to sit behind a dead ball line for close to two hundred dollars, like why would you bother? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And then so looking ahead uh, to this week, I assume we mentioned Matt Phillip will probably come in to replace Darcy Swain. And what so what about the rest? Lelisso, he'll start. Do you think Kellaway will stay at fullback? Yep, leave it at leave it. As it, as it was as it finished, they're yeah. Gonna, yeah, they're going to have to look at Alan Alatoa. So if he's had a head knock, he'll have to he'll have be, a week he'll off. be gone. But I think they reckon Tupo should be back. So that'll be great. So that'll be swap for swap. Yeah. Um, bringing in the extra lock. I don't know. I don't know what they'll do there. What do you reckon they'll do? Bring in Salakai Lotto or yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, or, or they could put the call out to Will Skelton, but he hasn't been part of the setup. Hmm. So. Is Nick, Fro- is Nick Frost floating around? Is he in he the might system? Be floating around, yeah. He, I, I can't remember who played lock for Australia. I'll have to have, have a look at that. But instantly, you'd say you go to your you guys that have been part of the system to give you that depth. Philip will definitely go in there. You keep Rob Leota. Um yeah, and you wouldn't make too many other changes. No, I don't to be think honest. so. No, I don't think so either. And I know Sam Underhill, he'll replace Tom Curry for England because Curry ended up with uh, a bit of a head knock as well. He's so gone, who, he's been sent home. Oh, has he gone, been sent home? Yeah. Well, yeah. He's left out of here, putting on a plane back to England. Jeez. So it must be quite serious, that one. Yeah. And so who's going to win on Saturday? Oh, I think Australia's got all the momentum now. So we'll be to go 2 0 up. They've got wow. all the momentum. You know, I just get the sense that England were rattled towards the end of that game, and that's that's going to be a hard to pull back. Yeah, okay. Because I, I I I was picking England only because there will be no more desperate team in the history of world rugby than England to come out there after the stick that they would have got during the week for losing when they've got a man up. I I just think they'll have to come out and and do something to win this game. So I just think that it's it's going to be on them. To win it, and I, I reckon they will. They'll be that desperate. Oh, I'm going to go. Well, I hope I'm wallaby. wrong. I'm getting on the wallaby bandwagon now, Mickey. <laughs> oh, I'm on board. I'm on board. But I just, I just think they'll do. They'll have to do something, and Eddie's going to have to pull something out of somewhere mm. because mm. The, the pressure on him would be absolutely enormous. And I think he well, kind of loves all that. The the other one to have a think about with uh, Callaway, if he stays at fullback and Bataya starts on the wing, is they'll bring in our man Vunavalu. For a, oh yeah, a, a bit of a bit of a gallop. What if he last? If he gets on, it's yeah. Well, let's hope so. Do anything? Yeah, <laughs> let's hope so. For that then, million dollars we paid him <laughs> in eighteen months. And then the the rugby rap put a tweet out late late last week saying it was a poor decision by Rugby Australia to only send the Wallabies across on the Thursday night because it meant less time to meet and greet the fans and build that connection that I think is missing. And it was a post that received more comments than any other one we've put out. I'd say 90% agreed, but 10% said it's not that important and that winning's the most important thing. And, and that is the, the panacea for rugby's Australia's ills. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, obviously, even when they're wrong. And I, I agree with the original tweet that it was a poor decision. What, what do you think, Mitch? 
Uh, look, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a traditionalist, Mick. I like the idea of if you've got a, wall a wallaby test coming to town, then you have an activation plan that's associated with that. That's a full week of uh, events and activities and promotion to that everyone can get an opportunity to rub shoulders with a wallaby. They, you know, the kids, kids. If you want role models for kids to look up to, it's got to be more than just sit watching them in a, on a big stadium or on a TV screen. You've got to. You know, there's there's little things along the way where you can make a lasting impression on a young person, whether male or female, by having that face-to-face -face interaction, like a clinic and a pass of the football or a chat or a shake of the hand or a signature mm. makes a lot of difference to kids. And anyone who tells me otherwise is completely off the planet. Yep. They do not understand <laughs> the game. They do not understand the game. They do not understand the ethos of rugby. I said it is more to rugby than the Wallabies. It always has been, always will be. So you, you can't underestimate the power of having uh, world-class players mixing with the, the, the rugby community and the general public, promoting the game, practicing why we play, you know, out there delivering clinics, doing signing sessions, turning up the club trainings, that type of stuff. You can't you can't undervalue that. That is that is just priceless that sort of stuff and not to do it is a missed opportunity for wa rugby and i know they they rugby wa made a really good effort to try and do some stuff i noticed the england players were out there doing a lot of stuff during the week yep they went down to the southern lines all abilities session mm. i saw them doing some stuff down there and then was a bit of a, a promo marketing exercise down at uwa um not mm. the rugby club down at the actual university itself yep uh, on the foreshore there. So I'm not sure if that was very widely publicised, but it seemed to have a few people drop in mm. and go along. But yeah, trophy unveilings in Forest Place and that sort of stuff doesn't really cut it for me. You need to go out and meet and greet the people. And I remember back when the first test match at Subiac Oval in 1998, when I was part of the Wallabies, first thing we did on that Saturday morning of the test was go to Britannia Reserve. Where all, all the, the kids were playing. Juniors. Yep. Yep. That was, game, that was game day. Oh, I was on the bench, so mm. that was my job. Get yep. out and about on game day. But we went to Britannia Reserve and we did stuff all morning down there, mm. you know, and we'd been here for the week leading into that. Yep. And there'd be kids that would remember that to this day, that players were down there. Because rugby, it's not sitting on the top of the tree in the Australian sporting landscape. So for me, it's got to fight harder and work harder than the other codes. And Tim Horan... He was the guest at the university lunch, and he said he said the majority of Australians couldn't name more than one or two wallabies, and that's and that's coming from someone like Tim Horan to admit that, and he's and he's dead right. He said probably Michael Hooper because he's been around for a hundred years, and maybe Taniela Tupo, but for the rest, people wouldn't know. And without that connection, people don't care, and they just become a product. And and as you said, it just becomes it's a commodity, something to see on TV. You might just stumble upon it, but you sit and watch it, and then you think, oh, yeah, I'll move on. I'll go and watch another episode of Friends or something. So it's just, for me, they've, they've they missed that opportunity to get that engagement. And I spoke to a lot of guys at the lunch on the Friday, and um, Jaden Wallace was saying that he took his kids down to one of the open training sessions. It might have been last year. And Reese Hodge was just passing the ball to his kids. That's all he was doing, just passing the ball. And he said they came home just saying, can we go and see Hodgie? We want to go and watch Hodgie play. You know, what's Hodgie doing? Where's Hodgie? And it's just, I remember the first Wallaby I met was Gary Pierce when I was 15. He gave me a pen at Manly Oval. And I still remember it to this day. And and I just think that was an opportunity, as you said, that they they really missed to spend that week sending players out to schools, out to clubs, 
to get that connection so people actually care about the game because once you care, that's when you're on board. So, yep. <clears throat> and we don't know when we'll next have a Wallaby test here, will we? There's no, we don't. In, yeah, don't know. Nothing in place for 2023 and the World no. Cup's on. So we yeah. we might not see the Wallabies to 2024. Yeah. So they be, they, be, they become a product you see on TV and that's it. And it's, and it's mm-hmm. too easy to switch off when you've got no connection. So anyway, it was a shame. But uh, on a positive note, the Fortescue Premier Grade, Mitch, gets underway again this week after the week off and only two rounds remaining before the competition splits. And I believe eight places or eight teams going for six spots. Yeah, it's really, really tightly contested in that middle of the table, Mickey. And if we look back, we didn't have a podcast the other day. So if we look back at Saturday, June 25, and some of the results that came out of that weekend, um, you and I weren't in town that weekend. We were off in, over in Sydney. Uh, but Nedlands got up over Palmyra. So Nettie's bounced back after that loss against Wanneroo. And um, again, unbeatable at home, Nettie's. Their home mm. record is pretty top shelf. Um, big high-scoring affair. Our, our favourites, our second favourite team, Southern Lions, just narrowly went down to Cottesloe, 45-42. Uh, so, again, Southern Lions proving they can mm. mix it mix it with the top six clubs. But, unfortunately, they just can't quite get those those upset results to really threaten the top six in the ladder. Basie had a big win over Rockingham, 58-7. Uh, Associates, well, they're, they're on a bit of a roll. They got up over the students. They would have loved that. They would have students at the library. At the library, yeah. Yeah, 35-30. Um, Arcs crossed the, the chalk a few times in their, their narrow loss to Junlup, 52-43. That would have been an entertaining wow. game. Cracker. Would have been like watching you and me make tackles that yeah. one. <laughs> um, West had the bye and Calamundo with a bit of an upset victory getting up over the Rudogs after the Rudogs off their high, wow. coming off the high, beating Nettie's the week before. They go down to Calamunda, so nullified themselves on the ladder. So if you looked at the ladder after that weekend... UWA still sit on top, six points clear. Netties on 40, so they've, they've regained second spot with West in third spot. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh are separated by seven points. Wow. With eight spot Palmyra on 27. So that means that these weekend's fixtures are all going to play a big role leading into the last round. So if you look, look ahead... To this weekend. Now, Wanneroo have got the bye, so they won't move up the ladder at all. So they'll probably, if anything, fall further down from fourth spot um, leading into the last round. Soaks have got Southern Lions down at success, so you'd expect Soaks to Soaks stay on their winnings way. Yep. And this is what I've been watching over the last few weeks. Soaks is slowly just creeping up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm predicting them to make the six now. They're a danger, um, I reckon, too. If they get there, they are, I reckon uh, they'll create a lot of trouble. Yeah, they will. And we know that, you know, that's just what they do. Yep. Perth Bayswater versus Junlup. Baysy uh, should get up over Junlup, but that might be a bad game, actually. If people are out near uh, Padaha Reserve, get along and have a look at that one. Arcs are at home to UWA. That could be ugly, that score. Uh, as I said, Wanneroo's got the bye. West Scar are taking on Palmyra. That's got a big one as well, Mickey, because mm. if Palmyra lose that one, they're going to lose any chance of making the six. Whereas wow. if West... West can keep that one, and they'll stay in the top four for sure. If they lose, they have uh, there's a chance that a couple of teams might leap, leapfrog them, i.e. Cottesloe and Bayswater. Yeah, it's a big um, game. 
Yep. And the match of the day down at Harvey Field. Hopefully it's a beautiful day, Mick, and not rainy and windy like it was the other well, day. I, I had a look at the weather <laughs> forecast and they're predicting about 30 knot northerly winds. So it's, I reckon it'll be a 20-point breeze. Oh, so Jesus. whatever team's running south will have that wind at the back and they'll be peeling off 60-metre kicks. So it's, that'll oh, be, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, interesting. So Cot at home versus Netherlands. So that's, t- uh, what's that, three second v five on the well, ladder. That'll be a good game. And whoever wins that, it's going to just make it a melting pot. And then the final round... Uni's got the buy, so if they if they beat Arcs, they'll finish on top and they'll they'll make the split on top. But the rest of them complete lottery yeah. leading into round thirteen, of which case the, the competition splits in the top six and the bottom seven. And as we go then to the mailbag and Darcy Swain, as we mentioned, was given the red card. So it was a minimum charge of six weeks was reduced to two because of mitigating factors. So some of the mitigating factors, he acknowledged it was foul play. He said it was, he, had a, he had a good record. He expressed remorse. He conducted himself well at the hearing. So they, that reduced it to half. And then the judiciary said that three weeks was disproportionate given the level and nature of the offence. So they took another week off. So they got it down to two. So are they making it up as they go along? Or was that actually a good judicial process to get him from six down to two? Oh, I think they've, they've got to show that they've applied the... Um the process. So if you look at the red card for a headbutt, entry level is six weeks, yep. no matter how bad the headbutt is, whether it's bloody damaging, broke the nose or yep. knocked the guy out or just tapped him. So yep. that's the entry level. And then they've got to say, well, you know, actually the guy wasn't injured, wasn't impacted whatsoever as a love tap. Yep. Probably took into account the bit of hair pulling that might have gone on to yep. um, instigate it. And um, yeah, if he's conducted himself well and all the or rest a nice, of it, or I, a nice suit, yeah. his hair. I think hey, two all. weeks is fine. I got no problems with two weeks at all, Mickey. To be honest, like headbutts a headbutt, like headbutts a red card offence, no matter how bad it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it probably but, was worth two, but that was. You but know, it's was, probably only two. But it, yeah. as a mate, as someone, as Steve Wanningham, we're going to call him out here. If you're going to get a red card, you might as well get it decent. You should have knocked <laughs> him out. Should have knocked him out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but then he wouldn't have got two weeks. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. So he'll be missing for the, all the England series, but uh, we'll be back for the rugby championship. Then in some Western Force news, a couple of new names being bandied around since we last got together. So Chiefs flyer Chase Tiatia is one that's confirmed, but more recently rumours of Bryce Hegarty from Leicester Tigers and Curtis Rona from London Irish. Hegarty's apparently signing a one-year deal. He's 29. He's got 100 super rugby caps under his belt. And then Curtis Rona, a local, back again for the force. So your thoughts on those two, Mitch? Yeah, well, I don't mind the Curtis Rona one. Obviously, the Curtis Rona is a WA uh, local. Grew up here, went to, I think, Aramore. Um, was obviously at the force before he went to the Waratahs. Played a bit of Wallabies. Yeah, he played some Wallabies, yeah. Yeah, and he's been playing for London Irish and apparently by all accounts playing pretty well. So I don't mind that one. Um, and we need a big, strong body there somewhere in the backs to get us over the advantage line and be able to score tries. So Bryce Hegarty is perplexing. I'm not sure why we would go for a, a journeyman who really was in and out of Super Rugby lineups for the last 10 or so years. I don't understand that one. I just That's just got me baffled. And it was interesting in the, one of the articles that was saying that Matt Hodgson was quoted as saying that he'll be great off the bench. So they're sort of the most boring. So recruiting, a, so recruiting bench players. <laughs> yeah, which seemed a bit um, recruiting twenty-nine-year-old bench players. Hmm. 
which is interesting. that's weird. Weird. So they still they still I, need a big name back, don't they? Yeah, and Chase Two T probably <laughs> he's 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 like it's, he's the best of the worst. No, what is it? Worst to the best. Worst to the best. So so if you look at a New Zealand rugby backs, yeah, yeah, played yep. Super Rugby this year. Does Chase Tia come in your top twenty? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But he's somewhere there. Like, but he's be, somewhere there. Know, yeah, he was okay. Like, he's good. He started a few games for the Chiefs, and he's played for the Hurricanes, and um, he's always been thereabouts. But you wouldn't call him world he's class, not, and he's not. He's you not your marquee. Him, you wouldn't call him a marquee player. No, no. So we're still waiting on that. Uh, and will we have one? I don't know. I don't know. I was getting a bit excited because people were going, oh, you know, wait, wait till you hear the announcement this week. They're really exciting. We're going to get another Wallaby. And you're going, oh, okay, who's that? Was Samu Karevi or, yeah. you know, we're going to get Quade Cooper. No, it's Curtis Rayner. Curtis Rayner. <laughs> That's all right, but it'd be, good oh. have him, it'd be good to have him back in the West. I think he'll, he'll yeah. fit back in. I don't well. mind Curtis. I don't mind Curtis. I'm not going to criticise that recruitment. I reckon it's a good recruitment. Um, but, yeah, Chase Tia Tia gives a bit of depth. He's been in a couple of New Zealand franchises. He might come in handy. Yep. Uh, the Hegarty one, I don't get. Not solid. Yeah, I'm not get. I don't quite understand that one. And then I just see uh, Toulon have they've confirmed the signing of Sidleki Tamani, the ex Wallaby second rower who oh, had his tie, had his ties yeah. with the Western Force cut at the start of 2022 because he opted against having the COVID-19 vaccine. So mm. he uh, he snuck away unfortunately, and uh, Toulon have signed him up. And then the Wallabies this week, they've unveiled a new Indigenous jersey for this week. They will sing the anthem in English and in Ugumba language. They'll be joined by the Ugumba Youth Choir, which is all part of NADOC Week, which I think is fantastic. But do we need another Indigenous jersey? Is this not the same one that was designed no, last year? No. And I may answer my own question by saying as soon as it was announced, I was sent an email saying I could buy my replica Indigenous jersey for $159.95. See. Yeah, and I think that devalues what NADOC Week's all about, Mick, right there. So do Is I. that singing the an- anthem, recognised um, traditional owners' heritage, um, all that sort of stuff is is fantastic, but to then commercialise it, I'm dead against. I think they should have uh, made 23 of those Indigenous yep, jerseys. Yep. And that was it. And auction them off and then donate proceedings to something that invests back into yeah. Aboriginal participation in rugby. Absolutely, yeah. That would have been, yeah. What great, a great idea! Great idea. Yeah. Do you think they could come up with that? No, no. <laughs> um, but you know, they're just a missed opportunity, and it defeats the purpose of what NADOC Week's all about. NADOC yeah. Week's all about celebrating traditional owners, and and also it would have been a great opportunity to celebrate um, Aboriginal heritage in rugby. Hmm. As well I think at the it, same time, and I think it'd be great to do the uh, the the dual anthem. I think that's a great idea, and it's yep. just a shame. That there gets a lot of um, resistance be- just because there's so many different languages. So we can't we can't yeah. have one like the New Zealanders have got that wonderful advantage where yeah. they can they can do that. And same with the Springboks. And it's a shame that yeah. well, it's not a shame because it's great that there are so many different languages. But it'd be um, I think it's fantastic they're doing it with the, with the two languages this week. And it'd be great if they did that every Test match because it's yeah. um, it's a, it's a terrific thing they're doing. Yeah. But then the Oceania Rugby Under-20 Championships, uh, the Australians were beaten by the Argentinians 24-21. Then they then beat Fiji 58-5. They're playing New Zealand on Sunday the 10th, and that'll be at 2pm on Stan Sport. And that'd then be the good game. Which will mm. be a cracking game. And then the Pacific Nations Cup, 
Uh, Australia A were defeated 31-26 by Samoa, and they're playing Fiji on Saturday at 11.30. So basically, you can go, you can watch Australia A against Fiji, then you can watch the under-20s against New Zealand at two, and then switch across or stay on there and watch the Cot Netties game. So it's a full afternoon on Oh, and then the, then the test match that night? The test match. So it's a, it's a rugby oh, fest. It's a, oh, how good as, Saturday. As Gordon Ogilvie said, Mitch Hardy, Saturday is so rugby is day. rugby day. Yep, absolutely. And then the 48th Australian Schools Rugby Championships are on at the moment in Sydney. The, so the, the boys have got Victoria, the New South Wales Barbarians, New South Wales Junior Rugby Union 15, New South Wales 1, New South Wales 2. Then there's Queensland 1, Queensland 2, and the ACT. And the girls have got an open division with New South Wales A, New South Wales B, ACT, and Queensland. And the under-16 division in the girls have got New South Wales A, New South Wales B, and Queensland. Now, where is WA, Mitch Hardy? So WA just completed a, a short tour to Melbourne and Canberra to play under-18s rugby. So uh, the approach now is to, because of the the age disparity and the challenges that we have getting WA kids to play in the schools competition have gone down the under-18s path instead. And that's been a sort of a, a side competition that's administered by Australian rugby. Uh, so we played Melbourne, belted, belted them 45 blot, I think. And then we played Canberra and narrowly had a great win against uh, the, the Brumbies 18s. I think it was 17-14 off the top of my head. Uh, Dave Wells, Ian Fowler and Christian Tedge, the coaching staff there, did an awesome job with those young fellas. Uh, an outstanding sort of four-day trip, two games in four days for those young players. So that was terrific. So we're not playing schoolboys. The next, the next part of the pathway for our guys, for the boys in particular, is to play the 16s and the 19s and Perth Gold, mm-hmm. which are all tournaments coming up in the very near future. Which I'm told, by the way, Mick, and you'd like this, you may not like this, that all the players in those state teams, you make a state team, they get charged a thousand bucks for their troubles. Yet everything's subsidised by Rugby Australia. So why are we charging kids that make state teams a thousand bucks if Rugby Australia are footing the bill? Anyway, yeah. just throw that one out there. Interesting. Um, and then for the girls, there is some conjecture about what girls programs and what state teams are going to be put in place. So um, Brennan Logue, I hear, is working on that at the moment, but we're not invited to the school's champs. We won't be putting teams in the school's champs. So not is that part of our pathway program? So that that's that's a definite thing. There'll be no WA school teams entered in those championships. No. So our focus is 18s, 16s, 18s, 19s, which feeds in the Aussie 20s and Perth Gold. So are, are WA players missing out? Because no. that's you don't think so? No, I think I think the, don't in the boys because the Victorians have put a team in and the ACT have put a team in. And we've just played them in that under 18s, but they've both got mm. teams in the schools championships. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think you've got to look at the influence of private schools over east as well. And to be honest, you know, I've been to a few schoolboy championships over the years and the the WA boys are always on a hiding to nothing. They really are. There's there's no opportunity to prepare properly with warm-up matches. They're thrown in. They quite often get a really tough game round one, back it up in two days, back another one up in two days. Mm. And then, yeah, it's a bit of – and those Australian schools teams that get picked out of that, they're a foregone conclusion. They're yeah. all picked beforehand. So you've got to weigh up the value of the cost versus benefit. And yep. I think 
there's much more benefit in making sure we've got our best 18-year-old kids playing in our under-18s because that mm-hmm. wouldn't happen if it was with the schoolboys. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, you basically turn your back on the the traditional private school tie wearing crew over yep. east and do our thing that's best suited for WA rugby. Yep. Which, and I guess, yeah, that's what it's got yeah. to come down to, what's best for yeah. WA rugby. Yeah. Yeah. And then the sevens teams have been named for the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, as we were speaking about. So Charlotte Kaslik and Demi Hayes will co-captain the women. Uh, they were got the silver medal in 2018. They've got nine debutants in their side. And in the men's, Samu Karevi was named, as we mentioned, and he was joined by the New South Wales flyer, Mark Nawakanawasi. And Nick Belief's the captain. And they have got 12 debutants. So I'm not sure how big the squad is. 12 debutants for the Commonwealth Oh, Commonwealth Games. games. Yeah. Not debutants for sevens. Playing for sevens. I was thinking they must have a squad of (laughs) of 50. New new team. (laughs) Um, And then um, we spoke to um, Michael Penhaligon a couple of weeks ago about the All Abilities rugby team down at Southern Lions. They train Tuesdays down at Southern Lions. And the great news is now Perth Bayswater have also got an all-abilities rugby team, and they trained Thursday, 5.30 to 6.30 at Perth Bayswater Rugby Club. So that's fantastic that uh, Perth and Southern Lions have now got those all-abilities teams. Yeah, it's great. Great. One north of the river and one south of the river. Mm. So so that makes the game a little bit more accessible for every, every, anyone living either side of the city and uh, a good initiative. And those two clubs working together as part of that program as well, which is great to see. Yeah, and there was a great story. It's in the Rugby WA newsletter this week. There was a story that Morgan Turinui put together that was on Stan Sport um, about yep. that All Abilities team. And some of the pictures are great. And it's, uh, yeah, for me, I think it's everything that's good about rugby is that All ability. So well done to Southern Lions and to Perth Bayswater. And I hope that gets bigger because it's, uh, it's great to give everyone a go. And then, Mitch, I believe there's some regional championships on at the moment as well. Yeah, absolutely, Mickey. The, um, the championships are on right across next week. So Wannery Rugby Club are hosting... The under-14 girls, the under-16 boys, and the under-17 girls. So answering your question about pathways, there's a lot happening there. Uh, that's on Monday, the 11th of July. Wednesday, the 13th of July at Perth Bayswater Rugby Club, the 16 boys will be going around. The Friday, the 15th of July at Southern Lions, the under-16 boys will have their second round. And on Sunday, the 17th of July at Perth Irish Rugby Club, there'll be the combination of the 14 girls, 16 boys and the 17 girls all happening. So a lot of rugby on right across the second week of school holidays here in WA, uh, right across the pathway for boys and girls, which is great to see. Yeah, it is great to see. And um, I saw some of the London Irish guys, there's some photos um, of them with some of the Wallabies and even there weren't many opportunities for people to do it, but the amount of people that did see it, did see the Wallabies and then were posting photos of themselves with the players, that was exactly... Indicates the, your point. Exactly. <laughs> For this small amount, those photos were everywhere and everyone was so excited having photos. I had friends that, as I said, weren't even rugby fans, but were seeing these Wallabies and getting photos and sending me their photos of them with, with the Wallabies floating around. So um, anyway, we'll move on. And then finally, well done to West Coast Fever. Uh, for taking out the Super Netball title, their first in 25 years. And Mitch, you were ringside. I was courtside. It was an awesome night out, mate. I'll tell you what, the the class of that athlete on that netball court was unbelievable. Verity Simmons and um, the goal shooter, who's the Jamaican lass, um, 
it's just the athletic ability of those girls is just fantastic. Like, and the crowd was terrific. The atmosphere, full awesome. house, full house, packed. Yep. Everyone was screaming for the West Coast Eva from the opening whistle to the last whistle. Yeah, and um, yeah, great, great night out, and well done to all involved. Uh, behind the scenes, Netball WA, West Coast Fever, and the players because they just showcased WA Netball really, really well. And you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better outcome after the state government chipped in to mm. secure the grand final. The West Coast Fever then snuck in and secured it anyway. Yep. And then then just you know the support then just rolled in behind. And it was just pretty all, pretty comfortable win in the class. end, wasn't it? 11 yes, points or something. Never, they, they won every quarter. Yeah, they're yeah, ahead okay. in every quarter. Mm. I think the, the narrowest of margins were four points at one point. Other than that, they were well in control. But I'll no, tell you what, Mick, we, we make a big deal about female sport. But those netball players, when you watch them live, are just great athletes. And their skill mm. level is just sublime. What they can do and how they can move and their ball handling skills and their shooting and that sort of stuff is just top shelf. It'd be great if we could uh, pull a couple over to the uh, to rugby staff. Great, great ball skills, and they're quick, fast. Yeah, and love a bit of con- like even yeah, though that yeah, ball's not yeah. a contact sport. They muscle they're happy up to, too. Yeah, yeah, happy to mix yeah. it up. So a good yeah, so a good result for uh, for them. And it's been a you know it's been a great little period we're in now for for West Australian sport with the the cricketers winning everything, every competition available this year. They won that. Um, Great for the, the Super Netball now. We've had the State of Origin was a fantastic success. We've had the England, Australia was a fantastic success. So, um, yeah, nice little bit of a sweet spot, the spotlight on Perth at the moment. And let's hope the Western Force next year, some of that success can rub off on them because uh, people are in the mood to win at the moment, mm. you, which is great. Um, well, Mitch, that's us. That'll do us. So I'll see right. you on Saturday at Harvey Field. So 3.30 kickoff or cot against Eddie's in the wind. Yep. And we'll bring the uh, the puffy jacket. Definitely. Hopefully, Heath Tessman will um, grace us with his will he turn up? presence. That's the odds. I'd like to see the rostered on. He's rostered on. Fairly, fairly short. So, mate, thanks. Good to catch up with you. I'll see you Saturday. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the Rugby Wrap. Go the Wallabies.